Welcome to Talk with the Texan, Money and Life with Troy Eckert. This program is thought-provoking, informative, entertaining, and down to business. We face facts and ideas about how to make, protect, and build your net worth. You'll get over three decades of frontline experiences and real-life examples of what to do and the pitfalls to avoid. Now, here's Troy Eckert. Hey, 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 everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today. This ought to be a very intriguing show today. Just so you know, I'm Troy Eckert. I am the host, and I'm the person you want to talk to because it's Talk with the Texan, Money and Life. Just to let you know, you can always call on the show at 866-472-5790. Again, Troy Eckert. Uh, for those new listeners that are joining me, let me just give you a recap about the show and what I'm doing and and essentially why I believe that, that the material I present comes from decades of backgrounds of experience. Because let me tell you, when you spend your time since 1985 doing nothing but working on behalf of and with some of the highest net worth investors in the country, you get a great PhD lesson in business and you get a great PhD uh, repertoire, if you will, of business experiences that you can bring. Now, what I want to remind everyone is that in this show, these are all my own opinions. This is things that I bring up because the way I feel, the expertise and experience that I have, many of the opinions are mine and mine alone. You follow them if you want. If you don't like them, you can always turn the channel or you can go find your own professional, skilled CPAs, lawyers, or financial planners, whoever you want to give you a different advice. You know, having been doing what I have for as long as I have, what I've learned is if you put a thousand professional financial experts in a room, you're going to get a thousand different opinions about virtually every subject. So you as a listener, you as an investor, you as an entrepreneur will always have to use your common sense to determine what is logically best for you and it makes you decide the direction you want to go. Now today's show is going to be something that some of you are going to find a little bit uh, uncomfortable. And I'm going to say some things that you're probably going to think, ooh, I got to step back and think about it. But I'm going to give you an analogy here in a second, and you'll kind of appreciate where I'm coming from. Today, we're going to talk about the IRS, Internal Revenue Service, or more positive spin on that would be Intelligent Revenue Strategies. Now, what does that mean? Well, we all know who the IRS is. They want as much money out of our income and our assets and our, and our assets as they can get. It is directly tied to generating revenue for the government who continually thinks that the more spending that they do, the better they can control our lives here in the United States. And the truth is the wagon's getting much, much heavier. More people are living off the government. More people expect the government to provide them with everything they need, including rent and uh, all kinds of uh, different government programs, social services. And there's less and less of us that are actually out there every day pulling that cart with jobs, revenue generation, creating of businesses, and the things that normally run a free country. So with that being said, let me give you just a short analogy when you think about the IRS, because sometimes it is denial that gets you in the most trouble. So uh, let's say about 20 years ago, my wife and I decided at that time we had three kids. And we discussed it and made the decision that we were done having children. And I decided to go get a vasectomy. And I had that vasectomy. And almost about a year later, we found out we were having our fourth child. The vasectomy did not work. Now, I can tell you that um, that was a, a surprise, obviously. At the same time, it's turned out to be a blessing. But now when I share that story, that story of that particular event, and I share it with other men who have families who themselves had that same kind of surgery, but they never went back to get checked. They never found out if the vasectomy worked or did not work, which I didn't. And obviously my vasectomy did not work. By the way, I did have a second one. The truth of the matter is, is that you should see the look on their faces when I say, yeah, a year later, I found out I was having my fourth child. And Paige is a wonderful, wonderful daughter, wouldn't do anything without her. But the fact of the matter is, my wife and I were like, wow, I thought we had this covered. So the reason I'm pointing this out is it's kind of like in dealing with the IRS, the Internal Revenue Service. As someone who is in the business of looking at, working with, advising, sharing information with high net worth investors, the conversation always comes back around to the IRS. Why is that? Because whatever you do as a successful individual, whether you have a job, 
whether you're making investments, whether you're starting a new business, whether you're looking to inherit money or you're looking to leave money to your heirs, you're always going to have the one key component that always evolves. And that is, what does the IRS think about what you're doing? What rules are on the books? And what, if anything, are those rules going to do to affect your success or failure or your profitability? Now, today, in the current administration's mind, they want to spend another one to three and a half trillion dollars of printed money. They believe the way they're going to pay for that is to take and add incredible new tax rules and regulations that are going to increase the taxes on corporations, individuals, different investments, and it's going to be across the board. In other words, we can go carelessly spend three and a half trillion dollars as long as we can justify and pass, because they control the House and the Senate, as much in the way as they can of modified or changed tax laws and tax rules that assure them that somewhere over the next 10 years, they can make up three and a half trillion dollars worth of spending. Now, the idea has always failed because what eventually happens is, is that raising taxes eventually kills the goose that lays the golden egg. So let's go backwards in time a little bit. Every time there is a, a lower tax rate, the economy booms. Because entrepreneurs and individuals that are successful with salaried positions, salary jobs, or high income, they look at the difference between what they pay in taxes and what they need to run their households as discretionary free cash flow. If I make a million dollars a year and I pay taxes at 300,000, I have $700,000 left that I can either buy houses or boats or cars, set up new businesses, buy real estate. Now, to me, it really doesn't matter whether a person making a lot of money decides to buy a boat, a motorhome, go to fancy five-star hotels, eat really nice dinners. I don't care. What I don't want them to do is I don't want them to go and sit on that money in the bank. I don't want them to go cash it in for gold bars and then go sit it in a safe somewhere. I want them to rejuvenate the economy by spending that money back into the consumer markets. I want that guy that made $10 million this year to live on $800,000 for his nice house and his maid and his car. I want him to pay as little taxes as purpose as he can, because what I want him to do is I want him to feel free and I want him to feel wealthy or her to feel wealthy so they can go spend that money, starting new businesses, expanding their business, buying new things that create jobs and opportunity and stimulates the economy. Now, the argument will be that the IRS will give it back into the federal treasury and the federal treasury will then go spend the money on things like new bridges and infrastructure, which is a complete lie. So if I gave you a trillion dollars for an infrastructure package and less than a hundred billion went to bridges and infrastructure and 900 billion went to pay people not to work, sit at home, get free WIT cards, get food stamps, get all the social benefits that the Democrats would like to offer, then the question becomes, did we improve the economy? Did we stimulate the economy? Or did we basically pay the horses that should pull the wagon? Did we pay them to sit back and not move one inch and keep the wagon exactly where it's at? You put a bag of cut around their face, potato chips on the couch and Netflix in front of them and let them sit there. Now, this is not a political show. Don't want to get off on a political tirade. Obviously, you know where I stand. I voted Republican my whole life. I'm conservative by nature. I'm a Christian. I'm a family man. Um, I'm blunt as they get. I'm probably the kind of guy that you're never going to have to wonder what's on my mind. Um, I know how to say when I'm wrong, but I know how to stand up for when I'm right. So the show today is about the IRS in my version, which is intelligent revenue strategies, not IRS as in taxes or internal revenue service. Now, the reason I'm going to do this today is I have been going to several investment conferences over the last 12 to 36 months before COVID, after COVID. And what I keep seeing is a tremendous amount of false information. What I'm hearing from CPAs and advisors and what they call in the investment world, sponsors, people who actually put together partnerships, joint ventures for buying timber, turnkey homes, self-storage, multifamily, oil and gas exploration, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What you hear from everybody is the same thing. That is they being the sponsors play the tune of the audience. If the audience wants blues, they play blues. If the audience wants jazz, they seem to play jazz. And I have a real problem with that in that if you're only playing the music that the audience wants to hear, then you're really not a musician, you're simply a performer. 
In this case, I think the investor out there has to look and find out, do they really have an expert, an expert in the area in which they want to make an investment or they have an interest or do they have a performer? Now, why is that important? But let me tell you what, right now the IRS has made it clear they need a lot of revenue. The current administration is talking about hiring 80,000 new agents, 80,000 new IRS agents. You say, well, I don't care. I don't make that much money. Well, then you shouldn't be on my show, to be honest with you. The only people listening to my show are people who have businesses, want to start businesses. They want to be millionaires. They're already millionaires. They're decking millionaires. They want to be worth a billion. And the fact is only people listening to my show want to talk about money and life. The people who don't listen to my show want to sit at home and wait for their stimulus check and they don't care about money or life because they don't have any money. They won't go work to make money. And so forth, their life is pretty well projected where they're going to be, right? So I don't want to offend, but I'm going to be blunt. I tell you who I kind of appreciate lately, as crazy as it sounds, is Joe Rogan. Now, Joe Rogan, to me, made a really stupid statement about two years ago. He said he's going to support Sanders. I'm like, really? God, I had so much respect for you. You said that. Now you're supporting a socialist. And I thought, you, your guy has been very successful. You're worth a half a billion dollars, got great contracts, and that's who you're going to support. Well, I've regained my appreciation, respect for him because of this whole CNN nonsense about his taking this horse drug to help him with his COVID and the fact he just doesn't care and he says what it's on his mind. So whether I agree with you or not, I'd much rather get into a bar fight with a guy that walks over and puts a pair of brass knuckles on and says, I am going to knock your teeth out, and he means it, versus the guy who stands behind me and sucker punches me with a pool cue upside of my back of my head and never tells me he's going to hit me, but he does it like a coward. I like people like Joe Rogan who say, I don't care if I lose listeners. I don't care if I lose sponsors. I don't care whether you like me or not. I care about saying the truth. So that gets me to my point. Denial. This is really, really the, 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 the crux of the show. Investors out there. Now, who are the investors I keep talking about? Listeners. The listeners. Who's, on the, who's listening to the show? Well, if you're listening to the show, I'm assuming you're not making a minimum wage. I'm assuming you're probably in the upper one to 5% income uh, rate in this country. I assume you have more money than you have in expenses. You have extra money to invest with. You have thoughts of starting a business. You have a dream one day of being rich, or maybe you already are rich and you want to be richer. You know what? I love rich. Rich is a good word. It's solid, has four little letters. You can't really misspell it. And the truth is everybody wants to act like being rich is a bad thing. Well, that's because you're broke and you're too lazy to get rich. When you're rich, you then have options. You can be generous, philanthropic. You can be give to your church. You can take care of your family. You can do, do lots of things. Rich is a tool. It's a great word. I like it. Okay. But in this case, we're talking about rich people, high net worth people. And my definition, definition is they have a million dollars in assets beyond their home, their cars, and their couch, and their watch, and their clothes. It's a million dollars of investable income. I want to define this because this is where I'm headed. When you think about today and what you're going to do as far as managing your money and growing your net worth, you got a lot of things to think about. One, how much money do you need for yourself to live your life the way you want to live your life? How much money or assets will you have that are in excess of that that really is discretionary net worth? You get to go invest and spend or invest any way you want. If you're crazy, want to do a gold mine in Argentina, you can do it. If you're crazy, want to build a spacecraft and join Elon Musk in the space race, do it. In other words, anything above your necessary means of capital for your lifestyle is really your own money. Do what the hell you want to. I don't care. But here's the key. When I go to these conferences and I listen to all these so-called advisors, they know how to be a performer. They're not a musician. They're playing the tune they think you want to hear. And your tune changes every month. This month, I want to be in multifamily apartment complexes because it looks like there's a housing shortage. And I've got 20 apartment or multifamily partnerships out there. They're all touting 15% plus returns. They're all touting they can do leverage. They're touting non-recourse loans. Man, they have been able to pull all the great tunes for the final product of become a multifamily investor. The question is, is that a performer telling you the words you want to hear or truly are they a, mus a music musician playing the words and the tunes that really are true? Now, when I think about most investments, there's always the same keywords, cash flow, 
capital preservation, it's uh, cash-free income, it's rate of return, return on investment, IRR. I mean, it's the same 10 or 20 words that go across the board when you think about the things that investors know, they've been trained, they've been taught, and are really common to all investments. Then there's that added advantage. And the added advantage is, does your investment have a friendly perception to the IRS? In other words, whether it's friendly to the IRS or it's friendly to you to diminish how much you give to the IRS, that again is based on perception. So we've got investment conferences going on around the country. We have today a complete change in the administration's approach to the economy. President Trump had a clear message, lower taxes, let the entrepreneurs and investors do what they've done since the history of this country was started, invest, create wealth, create freedom, spread the wealth, hire people, build payrolls, build companies, go, 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 go. The government will get more money, not because we charge you higher taxes, the government will get more money because the economy gets bigger and they can take a smaller percentage of a bigger economy and they do it where it's beneficially a win-win scenario. This administration and the Democrats in total are all about charge more taxes and choke the people that are making the money because they'll just go make more. That's who they are. A pit bull always knows he wants to fight. A pit bull always wants to bite. And by the way, I'm not trying to piss off dog people. I'm just saying as an example, there is a, a, an assumption that pit bulls are mean and they bite and they attack, right? So the idea for these Democrats, the idea for the current administration is we're going to raise taxes. We're going to go spend one to three and a half trillion dollars in the infrastructure bill. And those pit bulls, those entrepreneurs, those people who love to make money, they're successful at what they do. They'll just go make a heck of a lot more money to make up for the taxes we take out of their pocket. That's not how it works. So the sponsors, those that are out selling investments are adding to the equation because what they're saying is, if you are a wealthy, successful business person, uh, a skilled doctor, lawyer, banker, whoever, whatever profession, and you make a lot of income, you're going to have to make some decisions. Do I, as an entrepreneur today, launch new business, expand my business, grow my business, knowing I'm going to pay a heck of a lot more in federal income tax in the next three years during this administration? Or do I wait and I wait three years and I hold back and I keep everything where it's at because I don't want to work harder for less money? And so, therefore, I'm going to naturally restrict my, my ambition to grow my business. So what happens is the next part of that equation becomes as a high net worth investor, as an entrepreneur, somebody who's gonna be in that targeted tax bracket by the IRS, the question then becomes, can I take the money I'm making today, maybe I don't wanna reinvest in growing my business, I wanna keep it, but I wanna keep more of it. How do I do that? Well, maybe I can find legitimate, legal, IRS approved, tax approved, methods to reduce my taxes. Is there any tax credits, tax deductions? In other words, if you're playing the game right, you're looking for those legal remedies to maybe make a more favorable IRS filing of your tax return. Look, folks, there's three things that I'm scared of. I'm scared of the IRS, Internal Revenue Service. I'm scared of the SEC, Security Exchange Commission, and my wife, and not in that order. And the truth of the matter is you play truthfully and you play openly and transparent with all three and you have no issues. Follow the law, pay your taxes that are owed, and be faithful to your spouse. You're in pretty good shape, right? The key to this is, I get asked by investors all the time, hey, I'm thinking about investing in this conservation easement. So great, how's it work? Well, you put in 100,000, they're going to give you a, a reduction in value. You pay 100,000 for this land. They're gonna set it aside and nominate it as a conservation easement under the rules. And then they're going to give you a factor of maybe one, two, three times the uh, leverage write-off. They'll lease it back from you later where they want to mine granite or coal or whatever they're doing. In other words, there's always some kind of a, a usability function with the property that you bought and then turned into a conservation easement. And I don't know all the details. They all have different, different variables, but here's the, here's the reality. The IRS is not stupid. The IRS has agents who have run algorithms and they have millions upon millions of examples. And so when you file your taxes, they take your age, your zip code, your job, your occupation, your investment pattern. They take all the assets where your social security is and they start asking themselves, we've got 
1.6 million filings with investors that have a similar profile. Based on the algorithms we've run and based on the, the, what we call the norms, it looks like these 500 filers out of the 1.5 million have skewed numbers. They've invested or deducted more than they normally should. Their income is too high, their deductions are too high, something's not right. They're taking deductions on things that don't make sense. Uh, their income went down versus up in a business where the other 1.45 million uh, uh, participants filing this way, income went up. There's a problem. How do I know this? 2012 was a follow-up of the 2008 crash, and I had real estate holdings that took a beating in 2008. By the time I was able to divest some of those assets at a loss over the next three years from 2008 and 9 to 2012, I had losses to report on my tax return. Well, unbeknownst to me, because of the business I was in, because of my profile and my filings, the IRS flagged me as an audit. First audit I've had in my life. I get an audit and the auditor says, we think these tax deductions for your real estate are out of line with character of your normal filing. Okay, what do I do about it? Hire my CPA, let him go through it. Well, when the CPA starts working with the IRS agent, and I'm gonna shorten the story, we find that not only does the IRS agent wanna look at those real estate holdings, but now they feel like, oh man, we now got inside the fort. We've got a chink in the armor. Eckerd over here represents hundreds of high net worth investors. He's involved in dozens and dozens of partnerships. He's the managing member of dozens and dozens of, man of, of limited partnerships, LLCs and investments. He's investing outside the country, in the countries in real estate and gold and this and that. And the other. Wow, if you pulled a list of the top 10 or 15 things that are red flags for the IRS, I probably had nine out of 10. So all of a sudden I'm involved in an IRS audit that lasted five years, five year audit. It got to the point where I ended up saying to myself, I'm never gonna get out of this. Now the good news is, because they did scare me. They came back with a basically an eight figure claim on taxes that I owed. By the time I hired a very good lawyer, I came back with not only the correct answers, not only did I not owe them the eight figure tax bill they claimed I owed after they tried to subpoena and lock down my accounts, they ended up owing me money. And they have not paid me in over two and a half years, by the way, the IRS still has my money, they owe me. So they're poor losers. But the key is what? You as an investor have to figure out your investment life as to what risk and reward are worth it. So in the back half of this show, coming up in a few minutes after we take a break, I'm gonna tell you things you need to think about with investments you make and whether the risk or the reward or the reward and the risk makes sense when it comes to the IRS and drawing attention to yourself. This is Troy Ecker. We'll see you in the back half of the hour. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities 
in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. This is Talk with a Texan, money and life. To reach Troy Eckerd or his guest on the live program, we invite you to call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to Troy at talkwiththetexan.com. Now back to the show. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back, everyone. We're having a little fun today. We're talking about maybe one of your least favorite topics, the Internal Revenue Service, the IRS. In a more positive spin, I like to call it the Intelligent Revenue Strategies, the IRS. I like to use words and I like to use acronyms that make me motivated to change the way things have been perceived. So when I think of the IRS, I think, hey, look, it is something in life that I can never change. I'm always going to pay taxes. I'm always going to pay variable ranges of taxes, depending on what administration is in the White House, what the tempo of the country is, what the tempo of the economy is. And that's the thing I want to point out to my listeners today. So on the second half, this back half of the show, let's get down to some brass tacks. All right. So what I was saying in the first half of the show is that this administration wants to hire 80,000 new IRS agents. Because why? They've already spent three or four trillion dollars and wasted it. They're talking about another one to three and a half trillion dollars they're going to waste. And they're saying it's not going to cost anything because we're just going to tax the living snot out of the top 1% income earners. We're going to tax everybody else who has a job. We're going to charge more, get rid of, get rid of a lot of tax deductions. We're going to start generating revenue by increasing the taxes and the extent of those taxes and the depth and the percentage of those taxes. And that way we can use that next one to three and a half trillion dollars to stimulate the economy when the fact is the economy is already stimulated. We just need people to go back to work. So let's stay focused, all right? <laughs> so here's what we're going to do. I was telling you at the beginning of the, or the end of the first half of the show that I and myself went through a five-year tax audit. I'd never been audited in my entire life. After five years, and a lot of money with great tax lawyer and a great CPA, I was able to demonstrate to the IRS that what I had done was within the law, was, in, was within the rules, the regulations. And in fact, <laughs> I was such a good guy, I had overpaid my taxes. Now the IRS owes me money, they haven't paid me in over two and a half years. So I'm supposed to just wait for it. Now, let me tell you why I'm doing this. I've been going to these investment conferences for the last two years and the tempo today is the, the spokespersons, the, uh, the people out pitching deals, multifamily, uh, hard money loans, uh, cannabis farms, uh, self-storage units, um, conservation, they're all saying the same thing. You can get tax-free, you can get tax deductions, you can get leverage write-offs, you can do X, Y, and Z to position yourself better for taxes. Hey, you better move now and sell your assets today because the capital gains tax this year is less than it'll be expected next year. Hey, your income federal tax rate will be higher next year. You better jam all your income into this year. Everybody's got the perfect tune to be played. This year, it's all about, I'm a performer. You, the audience, want to hear jazz. I'm going to play jazz. Next month, you might want to hear rock and roll. Well, they're going to play rock and roll. And I don't like that. Me, I don't like it. Because here's why. And this is important. You've got to decide what you want to do when you're investing. So here's what I'm going to tell you. Investing 101 with the IRS in the backdrop. The first thing when you make an investment, what is your goal? Are you doing this because you made a lot of money this year and you think, I don't want to pay that much in taxes. How do I get a tax write-off? But you should be doing it the other way around, in my view. The first thing you should say is, I want to be wealthier. I want to be successful. I want to make more money. I want my money to make me more money. When you have 10 sponsors talking to you and four or five are beating the tune you want to hear, which is tax deductions, you should be alarmed. If I've got to stress a deduction, a tax deduction for you, 
it tells me I'm going to lose your money. The IRS gives you deductions on things that cause capital loss. If I tell you my project, my investment, my sponsored asset class is primarily focused on tax deductions, let's use the business I've been in for 36 years, oil and gas expiration. It starts off with oil and gas expiration offers you the highest tax deduction of any other investment in the country. Great, you can lose my money better than anybody else. What it should be said, properly stated is, the IRS, Internal Revenue Service, is giving you a tax incentive. They're gonna allow you to use the money you would normally pay on your income and pay in income taxes. They're gonna let you keep that, invest in domestic wells. You should go get successful results, then you're gonna make more money. You're gonna take that $100,000 and turn it into two or $300,000, and when that income comes in, you're gonna pay income tax on what should be a higher income source and more successful growth in your assets. If the person selling you is hammering on tax deductions, then you should be scared to death, close your checkbook and say, thanks, but no thanks. If I wanna lose money, I can go burn it in the yard. I can take a trash can, set it on fire with $100 bills inside it. So this is what I wanna point out. When you start with your investment 101, start off with what your goal is. Mine is preservation of capital. I don't wanna lose money. Do I drill wells? Yes. Do I look for tax deductions? that can help me defer taxes, use what I would pay in tax uh, liabilities to the IRS to grow my assets? Yeah, I wanna work in unison with the IRS. I wanna take money this year, build more successful wells and income and assets by drilling wells, and then turn around and use that increased asset and increased income to pay my share of fair taxes. Let's use conservation easements. I'm not an expert in conservation easements, but I was hearing conservation easements this weekend, and all that kept happening to my brain is I said, IRS audit, IRS audit, IRS audit. When in the world can somebody walk up and say, you know what, you owe a bunch of taxes this year, but if you'll put $500,000 into conservation easements, I can give you a one and a half to two to one tax write-off. You can write off $750,000 to a million dollars on the 500,000, and then I'm gonna lease it back to you, and you're gonna make one and a half times your money in the next 12 to 24 months. Man, the, the red whistles and the whistles and the alarms going off in my brain, are off the chart. Why? One, if you can make one and a half times on the money I invest with you in a year, why would you invite me in? Go borrow the money at the bank at 3% and keep the profit, keep the money for yourself. That is every single part of that screams Ponzi scheme. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but it screams to me, something ain't right. It just doesn't smell right. It doesn't seem right. And the fact of the matter is, it's not right. Then you add on top of that, hey, I'm going to go to the IRS with lots of really smart agents. You know why? They're auditing and looking at some of the smartest people in the world's income tax returns, and they have an algorithm, a computer algorithm that is telling them what is normal and not normal. And when they see a doctor or a lawyer take a $500,000 investment into land, and conveniently it's appraised at one half the value or one third or 20 cents on the dollar of the value, and gives me a $500,000 to $750,000 tax write-off, on a $500,000 investment. Do you think that IRS agent goes, oh, that looks normal. Hey, what a smart guy he is. First thing they do is they take your IRS return and they stick it over in the left-hand side. That's a big red box that's made like a fire truck. It says, this is on fire. It is hot. It is so hot. We know we're going to win on this. We're going to crush this investor. Let me tell you the downside of that. This happened in the early 1980s for oil and gas investors who decided to use leverage tax write-offs by participating in domestic oil and gas wells in the early 1980s. Doctors, lawyers, high net worth people bought into drilling deals. They put 100,000 in and get a two, three, four times tax write-off. You know what the IRS did? They said, thank you so much for handing, holding your hand up saying, please audit me. Because the first thing that happened, because I got in the business in 1985, I heard the stories of what happened to these guys. And they said, I don't want to do anything in partnerships with oil and gas. I said, Why not? I put 100,000 in a partnership. It was a two to three to one leverage. I filed my taxes. Two years later, the IRS came back, disallowed the tax deduction because they weren't real. I couldn't take a deduction that I didn't earn. They not only disallowed the tax deduction, I owed the taxes that I thought I had deducted, and then I owed penalties and interest. It was a disaster. That's what conservation easements smell like to me. It smells like IRS has been coming after, they're going to continue to come after, and they're going to go straight to those people and say, how do you think you're going to take $500,000 on investment, hypothetically, go out and get you one, two times uh, tax write-off, and then all of a sudden you're gonna lease it back for one and a half times the value in rental income. You can't have your cake and eat it too. 
So I need you to think about when you make an investment, is it going to be about making money or tax savings? Now you can have both, but one of them should be the basis. If it is a tax deduction or tax favorable investment, you must know you automatically put a red flag on your back. And it says, I'm trying to avoid paying taxes. Therefore, I know I have a much higher chance of being audited. I know that every year when I file my taxes, I'm at the top of the list all the time because of the business I'm in. It's just what I have to do because I'm in the business of oil and gas and that's got a lot of tax deduction. Can't change that, right? I think you ought to also look at the perceived goal, the perceived uh, real goal. What does that mean, perceived real goal? If the marketing material, if the prospectus, the documents, the management agreement are all highly focused on taxes, 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 don't you think the IRS has agents that go online and they say, Johnny's invested with XYZ oil company, XYZ conservation or XYZ you know, equipment leasing company. And they go in there and they look at the marketing material and it says, invest with us, we'll get you four to one leverage write-off. Here's how we beat the IRS. Hello, you don't think they read the material of the investments you're in? Of course they do. You don't think they join you on Zoom meetings? You don't think they go to webinars and podcasts and they watch the information that you state? And they go, we know that everybody in this deal, every single one of them went in that deal strictly for tax write-offs on a leverage basis knowing it wasn't legitimate. If you go to a podcast, they're talking about how you can go in and take your Roth and convert it so you can de- reduce the asset value inside your Roth upon conversion, you pay less taxes on it. Do you not think the IRS sees that same podcast? Don't be ignorant. That's why I started in the first half of the show saying it's denial. Investors are in denial. The third two things I'm really clear on. Investors live in a fantasy land. If I look at somebody in the eye and say, look, I've done background on that guy. That guy's a crook. He's a liar. He's a felon. You know, he went broke in 2008. Now he says he's a smart guy. By the way, I look at his antecedents. I look at his website. There's nothing on him. I got one, one group I looked at from this weekend's conference. And the spokesperson is really just the sales guy. He loves himself. He pats himself on the back so hard. He's got a sore arm. But worse, when I look up his two principals that are his strategic partners, can't find anything about them. Can't find out where they live. I can't find out what they did. I can't find out their background. And I'm saying to myself, in this day and age, it is so transparent with the internet, so transparent with Zoom and meetings. If you don't have a full disclosure of what you've been doing your whole career, if there's gaps in it, the gaps are there for a reason. That's the things they don't want you to find out. When you see those lack of full disclosure, you should be out. That's part of your investment decision process that I'm going through. The next thing is, let's look at risk, reward, and transparency. Can you drill oil and gas wells, get a tax deduction, still be successful in drilling good wells, and have it transparent where the IRS looks at it and goes, they follow the rules, they took the deduction, it's transparent, and they made money. If you invest 22 times in oil and gas and you always have losses, you think the IRS believes you're really trying? It's like running a, a farm or a ranch and you want tax deduction because you have an ag exempt and every year you lose money. After a while, they say, if you lose money every year, you're not the government. We lose money every year. We just print more money, but you don't have that ability. So what are you doing? This is not really a business. This is nothing more than a tax evasion, tax fraud. It's tax diversion. And so we're not going to audit you and we're going to win because we're going to show clearly to any normal tax court, you never intended on making money. So therefore, it's tax evasion. Let me tell you, I'm going to go back to what I said in the first half. I'm only scared of three people. IRS, the SEC, and my wife, but not in that order. Because at the end of the day, like I found out, the IRS wanted to dig way beyond my tax returns and try to get to all my high net worth investors. I said, absolutely not. You can audit me. You can audit my books. I'll give you everything you need or that you deserve to have based on your inquiry, but I'm not giving you a free launch to go past me to my clients. So they slapped me with a subpoena, went to all my banks, got all my records. I go, I don't care. I've got nothing to hide. It was the power play that they thought would crater me, and it didn't. Now, I'm not challenging the IRS. They're doing their job, and I get it. But what it tells me is every time I make an investment decision, it involves reducing my federal income taxes or my state taxes. I am taking money away from a ferocious, gorging pig called government. State, federal, municipal, doesn't matter. They are spending more money every year, and they want more of what you make. So you have a choice, go broke, don't make income, get on the stimulus package, or just realize you now, not only are you the the monkey at the top of the pole with your rear exposed the most, now they've taken all the other monkeys off the pole, now you're the only dumb monkey at the top of the pole. Unless you plan on climbing down the pole, you better figure out how to get something to cover your backside because they're coming. 
So when I think about risk and reward, think about the things that drive the IRS to you. When you get into a, a venture, you better make sure you have good reporting. What you invest, the records behind it must match. I found myself in a jam because there was some 1099s filed, which didn't get mailed to me. I filed my income tax. They said I didn't report it. It was tax evasion. I said, no, absolutely not. I never got those tax returns. Sure enough, I had to go back to the person issuing the 1099s, and they did write a letter to the IRS saying, we inadvertently sent the 1099s to the wrong company. You never received them, et cetera, et cetera. So record keeping is critical, not just important, critical. You must have those records to support what you're doing. And those records must be from legitimate providers. Let me give you an example. Some of you like to invest in turnkey houses. Some of you like to invest in turnkey commercial real estate ventures. Some of you like investing in turnkey oil and gas ventures where it's a one-time price. Let's just use oil and gas because it's, it's easy for me to relate to since that's what I do for a living. I go out and I find a well that I can drill for $2 million. I want to promote the heck, I'm not saying I do, I'm saying the oil and gas guy I'm making fun of, wants to promote it so he can make a lot of money to unsuspecting investors. Doctor, lawyers, high income earners, they say, okay, I want to invest in a well. Well, that, that promoter, that sponsor takes the $2 million well and says, I'm going to turn key it to you for a total of $6 million. In other words, if he sells the whole well, he's going to make $4 million in profit by selling a bunch of unsuspecting, uneducated, unsophisticated investors who really want tax write-offs, that $2 million well for $6 million. Not only has he made $4 million in profit, not only have you probably bought a well that's not going to ever economically pay out if it's even geologically successful, now you have a bigger problem. The IRS will take a look at that well and most likely compare it to other wells that are drilled in that same area. And they're going to say the average well costs $2 million. How in the world did this well get sold at a gross value of $6 million? There is not any risk and there's not any tax deductions. Why is there not any risk? Because when you take a turnkey, the sponsor is saying, I'm guaranteeing you with no additional risk, the well will get drilled for that price. You feel good because you're like, well, I don't have any chance of a cost overrun. Yeah, you do. If you can't back the turnkey and the well goes over budget, you can't pay for it. He keeps your four million. The well still doesn't get drilled. That's one. And number two, under IRS rules, you have to be at risk. Are you really at risk in a turnkey? The answer is no. You're at risk for only the cost of the well. The turnkey will be classified as a fee. So when the IRS audits, guess what's going to happen? They're going to come back and say, you had two million of the, of the six. You might be able to get away with two and a half million, a reasonable fee. The other three and a half million, that is a fee structure, not deductible or not reasonable. So therefore, we're going to disallow that tax write-off. You owe us penalties and taxes and interest. You owe us the taxes and the penalties and the interest on the money you didn't pay on the three and a half million dollars of markup under the turnkey. Now, I'm pointing this out because here's the thing. Back to my 80,000 army members that are trying to be put on the IRS's payroll. Look, even if the conservative Republicans or conservatives get control of the House and Senate or one or the other or both next year, the damage is done, money's out there. This political environment we're in, the Democrat socialists that they are, with control of the government, with, with what's his face as the president, have made their minds up. They're gonna spend until there's not another drop of juice in the lemon to get. They're gonna hire 80,000 new IRS agents or some version of that, even if they have to convert the dollars. They're adding to the government tit by adding in all these new immigrants coming in, encouraging people not to work, encouraging people to wait like baited babies to be fed all this stimulus money. So what are they going to do? They're going to target high income tax earners. They're going to target investors who are looking for tax deductions and cannot prudently demonstrate the deductions were reasonable, fair, and follow the IRS code. They're going to specifically target Roth conversions where you have this really reduced conversion in value really, really quickly after the conversion. It is a massive red flag sticking out like a sore thumb and that algorithm is going to pick it up. They're looking for leveraged tax write-offs. When you make an investment and you put a dollar, you think you're going to get $1.10, $1.50, $3 of tax write-offs for the dollar you put in. You might as well go stand up on the IRS's front lawn and drop your pants and say, kiss right here. You're going to have agents all over you. When you have known previous abuse sectors that involve massive concentration of IRS, IRS agents when it comes to um, tax audits, 
So just go down the list, say, hey, Mr. CPA, hey, IRS uh, website, hey, Google, what are the most likely investment categories or classifications or methods of investing that encourage or bring on tax audits? Which investments have the highest failure rate of investments when, made, when you make a tax audit that become unwound, disallowed, and I end up having to give back the money I made? So here's my, here's my wrap-up. My wrap-up is as follows. I'm just a knucklehead South Texas guy. Grew up on the Texas-Mexican border. Right where you see all those immigrants coming across, I live six miles to the Mexican border. It's a disaster. I've been involved in investments since 1985, and I've represented some really, really wealthy and very, very smart investors. But there's a common theme out there right now that I'm smelling and I'm seeing, and it's, it's quite alarming. I sit down and talk to dentists and doctors. These, these folks are 40, 43, 44 years old, and they're all talking about, I made 30% on stocks, I made 30% on multifamily, I made 30% on this, I'm in hard money loans. Um, they're all looking now to sell out of those assets because they think the market's going to correct, and they're talking about all the taxes they're going to owe. So now the performers, the sponsors out there know all these wealthy investors that made a lot of money in the longest bull run in the U.S. history, 13 years, we've not had a correction. They're all trying to sell assets and figure out how to get that money out of those markets into safety and pay as few tax dollars as they can. So they're enamored with their success. They think they're geniuses. They think they're the most brilliant people on the planet. I got news for all of you. If you couldn't make 20 to 35% of the stock market the last five years, you just didn't invest in the stock market or you must be a complete moron because literally anybody in a, in a normal portfolio was making above 20%, most are making 35, 40%. If you invested in multifamily real estate, if you are not up 20, 30, 40%, I don't know where the hell you bought your real estate, but you bought it in the wrong place, obviously, because everybody else is averaging that. Now, all these performers, these sponsors who realize there's this mass exodus, they're playing the tune that these investors want to hear, which is, how am I going to get out? We've created a tax deduction. We've created a tax favorable investment. We're focused on taxes so you can convert out. Okay, here's the problem. I want to keep the money I made. If I took a million dollars seven, eight, nine, ten years ago and turned it into three or four million dollars, I don't want to take the two million dollars in profit, go roll it into a bunch of drilling wells or, or other tax favorable investments and say, yeah, but I'm going to get a big tax deduction. What if they're criminals? What if they're fraud? What if it's a Ponzi scheme? What if they drill dry holes? You put in a million dollars in drilling because you made a million dollars in real estate and they go drill you a dry hole? You lost a million dollars. You got your deduction. You got a 100% deduction. You also lost a million bucks. Now, why would I want to give up a million dollars of the three million I made the last seven years? I don't. I'd rather pay my taxes. And that's what I want to tell you. Sometimes paying your taxes is the smartest move. Ooh, that was painful to say. That's like saying I would vote for a Democrat, which would never happen. But it's like saying that in my world, because paying your taxes doesn't make sense. It's like, I'm supposed to. I'm, I've been trained like a rabid dog to attack when told to attack. I've been trained since I first started making money. Find every legal, reasonable tax deduction and use it to continue to grow your wealth. This year, I'm literally considering paying my taxes. Why? I believe this will be the lowest federal tax rate we see for the next four to seven years. I don't care if the Republicans take over in 2024. We're going to have to charge a lot of taxes because we're so far in debt. I don't think there's anything you can do. I don't care if Trump comes back. I don't care if DeSantis comes in. I don't care. You're going to be hard-pressed to reduce tax rates anywhere, both personal, corporate, federal, et cetera. I'm looking at this year saying, what if I paid my taxes at the lowest tax rate, the lowest corporate tax rate that'll be around for the next five or 10 years, and I take the balance of that money and I invest in things that I believe are going to actually grow it better than 10% a year, as investments that are favorable to high inflation and favorable to higher tax rates, do that now with my retained post-tax dollars and see where I end up. I've got investments I'm looking at. I think I can do much better by paying my taxes and not taking the deductions this year. And let me tell you, I'm struggling with it, but I know it's the right answer. What you've got to think about as one of my listeners, you know, you can call me on my number. You can call me in my office, 800-527-8895. You can call me on the show number, 866-472-5790 or Troy at tech, uh, talkwithatexan.com. But the key is just listen to me before the show's over today. You cannot afford to jump into the music being played by a performer without running your due diligence. Ask them, 
When is the right time not to invest in multifamily? Ask your financial planner. You know, I've never heard you tell me there's nothing good to invest in. The market's overplayed. You should go to all cash. You know why a financial planner says, doesn't say that? They don't make fees on cash. I have never had a financial planner in 36 years of being a professional investor ever tell me there's nothing to invest in, go to cash because they don't make any money. They're never going to cut their own income. They'd rather sacrifice you, your net worth, and your portfolio to make sure they're getting those fees. Same thing with promoters and sponsors. They're never going to tell you, you know what? <clears throat> there makes no sense to invest in multifamily right now. We've crossed the bridge of sanity, too low a cap rates, not enough upside, lots of risk, rent forbearance, don't invest in multifamily. They're not going to say that. They're going to tell you, keep going because guess what? When it all hits the fan and there's downside, they're going to say, well, we tried, we missed, we stayed too long, but they did okay the last seven years. So out of the 20 deals, you know, the last four or five lost money, but they made money along the way. What good does it do to make all that money if you're going to give it back? Maybe you should start asking yourself to go back to what I said earlier. What is your primary goal or purpose? And mine is simple. Troy Eckerd, talk with the Texan, money and life. I want to have a great life, enjoy what I'm doing. I want to make money, but I want to be smart and protect my money. I want to be the guy that looks at investments and I want to say to myself, the IRS means internal revenue service. In my world, it means intelligent revenue strategies. Invest in only things that make money, that protect your wealth. If they have tax advantages, use them. Make sure you understand that there is a lot of pressure right now from these performers pitching you tax write-offs, tax credits that are not going to help you long-term. But more importantly, you might be putting yourself right in the trigger hair target of the IRS who says, thank you so much for holding your hand up. Now we know exactly who we want to target for a future audit. Now, I'm going to just leave you with this last thought. we got a great country. It's absolutely phenomenal. I don't want anybody talking bad about it. We're not a perfect country. We don't have a perfect system. But this show, Talk with the Texan Money and Life, is about raw information to help you have a better life and a better family. I want you to know this is all about being optimistic and bringing you the best of the best. I'm Troy Eckert. I'm talking to Texas. You guys have a fantastic week. Have a fantastic life. Enjoy the holidays. Enjoy your summer. Enjoy the winter. Just know it's a one-way trip. You better take every moment in because it doesn't come around a second time. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks to all our incredible friends for joining Troy for today's show, Talk with the Texan, Money and Life. Please join your host, Troy Eckert, for another edition of the program every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Troy, engage him, challenge him, but most importantly, listen to him. Three decades of expertise at your disposal. We'll see you here next week.